I'd like you to go to Luke chapter 19, if you would. We're going to start our journey there. Cody, thank you. Worship team, thank you. Wow. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Y'all are glowing out there tonight. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, he's here. Man, he's here. <laughs> My wife is glowing right now. She's like, he's here. I'm like, I know, I know. Wow. For the next few moments, I just, I want to bring a word, and this is, <laughs> I'm on a different frequency today and tonight than I, than I normally am, but I know that, I know that you trust me as your leader to bring you what I believe is the word from the Lord. Amen. And so tonight I'm, I'm on a different frequency that I'm, that I'm normally pumping at. Um, but this is what the Lord desires to push through my heart tonight. And if you're taking some notes tonight, I want to speak to you for the next few moments about this. God knows your address. <laughs> I'm in Luke 19. Thank you, Lord. I, uh, I love where we're going to start, and, and really I'm, I'm just building. Um, sometimes I preach from a text, and sometimes I preach my way to a text. And, and in reality, I, I kind of want to fast forward and get to the Psalms where I know the Lord wants to take us tonight. But let's just go through the journey together tonight and get there. Amen. Can we do that? Would you do that with me? So Zacchaeus. How many of you remember Zacchaeus, a wee little man, and a wee little man was he? <laughs> he climbed up into the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. How many of you remember that song? Cody, can you go ahead and lead us in that? <laughs> you led us one week, and Jesus loves the little children. I thought you'd be ready for Zacchaeus. So then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And now, behold, there was a man, Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, and he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead, and he climbed up into the sycamore tree to see him. For he was going to pass that way. Verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must stay at your house. <laughs> I must stay at your house. So he made haste and he came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Oh, what a letdown. What a buzzkill. I mean, Jesus really threw a wet blanket on the crowd, didn't he? Well, he's going to his house. And then Zacchaeus stood and he said to the Lord, Lord, look. He says, I give half of my goods to the poor. 
And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to your house because he is also a son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Oh, isn't that beautiful? Read it together with me. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Powerful words. Notice in verse 2, it says that he was a chief tax collector. That's very important because that actually made Zacchaeus a, a social outcast and a a religious outcast. He was much like Matthew because Zacchaeus was actually cooperating with Roman occupational government over Rome. And so he was hated. He was blisterly hated by the Jewish people. And how many of you just love everything about Jesus? I love this, and I love the text, and I love the feeling of the text. And you know, um, how many of your lives have been really impacted by the Chosen series? Yeah, yeah, us too. It's a favorite at the Gibbs house. There's this, there's this beautiful interaction of relational context that's just, it is the anointing. It's so powerful how they write these stories, and you, f- you feel the drama of relationship. And when I look at this, I, I was thinking so much of The Chosen and because it's been so beautiful. But I, as I was reading this text today, I could just see Jesus coming in. And I could see this little man, this smaller man, running to see Jesus and cutting through and finding this place. I could just see the Lord and his interaction with him. And I, I love these words. Jesus says to him, today I must stay at your house. I must stay at your house. We often, we often tell testimonies or we often hear testimonies of, of when we found God. How many of you know that? A lot of testimonies when, when, when we found God. But, but in actuality, it really wasn't us that found God at all. Can I get it? Amen. <laughs> It it was actually that we had a collision course with the God who all along was on the quest for our heart. Come on. Can I get an amen? He was, come on, go ahead and give him praise. That's who our God is. That's who our God is. He was seeking us. He was seeking us out. And I love Jesus' interaction because he saw Zacchaeus seeking him, but, oh, Jesus was hungry for him. Jesus had an appetite to stay with Zacchaeus and interaction and wanted to stay at his house. And what we find out all along is that God has been on a quest for us. He has been on a quest for our heart. He is hungry for the souls of men. The Spirit of God is hungry and on a quest for children and boys and girls and families to encounter him. And the Spirit of God is always moving 
all over the earth. Every day, God is moving and brooding over billions and billions of people in the nations of the earth, wooing, drawing him. He is setting up, he is setting up divine things to bring him glory. And so people can see the appearing of Jesus before them. Are you hearing what I'm saying tonight? God seeks us out. He, he knows how to find you. I want to remind you of that tonight. God still knows how to find you. He knows where you're at. He, there isn't anything going on in our world that God is surprised by. He knows every shred of every detail that we are facing in our lives right now. And aren't you happy about that? God finds people in very peculiar places. I'm speaking to you tonight about God knows your address. And I'm, I want to take you into a short story that's going to help carry us, I think, through the way where we're going to go tonight. And in 1980, we were, our, the Gibbs family was living on the Illinois River. These are some important pieces of the story. 1980, we're living on the Illinois River in our hometown. The bridge was three blocks south of our home. So we were three blocks north and the river flows south. Catch those directions. The river flows and we live three blocks of the... All right. Praise God. That's it. That's the benediction. <laughs> so... so Illinois was actually in a record drought, record drought. The, the water table, the water mark in the Illinois River was at an epic, epic low. And that particular summer uh, in this house that we lived at, there was only one thing between us and the river, and it was the levee and the railroad tracks. And every night my bedroom would shake at the quaking and the sound of the trains just whistling through there. This particular summer, as I said, the, the water table, the watermark was at record lows. And that particular night, um, I, my brother and I, we were sharing a room, and we were in the back of the house. And I happened to look out the back window and saw something that was frightening. And I ran in and told my dad, someone or something is in the backyard, and like a flash, he just jumped out of his bed and ran through the kitchen, ran down to the back porch. And he went out into the night, and he grabbed a hold of someone in the dark and pulled them into the light. And it was a woman. She was, she was soaking wet, and she was covered head to toe with thick, thick, thick river, river mud. My dad brought her up into the kitchen. My mom came out. My mom called the police immediately. And my dad was asking her, what has happened to you? Where did you come from? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Where did you come from? What happened to you? She was in total shock. She could not speak to us for a while. And she was terrifying to look at. She was covered in thick, thick, thick river mud, head to toe. But you could see the whites of her eyes really well. The cops arrived, and my dad is interviewing her, and she said, she said, tonight, it took her quite a while to get it out. She said, tonight, I was across the bridge on the other side of the river near Bartonville, 
And she said that she had come through a horrific broken relationship and she had decided to end her life. She drove as fast as she could towards the bridge, turned her wheel. Her car went end over end over end over end five to six times in the cornfield. The entire car was demolished. She walked out of the wreckage of that car without one scratch. She was totally perplexed. In her mind, she said, so I decided to try another way. She walked up onto the road out of the cornfield, out of the wreckage, and she walked up to the top of the bridge. She took off her shoes, laid them on the ledge. She got up on the ledge, and she jumped off to end her life. She said, the last thing I remember is jumping off the bridge and hitting the water, and the next thing that happened I opened my eyes and I was standing in the back of your house looking at a sign. My dad, I'm sorry. <laughs> my dad had posted a sign of Joshua 24:15, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And that woman opened her eyes. She hit the water. She opened her eyes, and she was standing at our back door. <laughs> My dad saw this as the providence of God. I think he was right. So my dad took those moments, those very tender moments with that woman to lead her to Jesus right in front of our cops standing in the kitchen. And my mom and dad embraced that woman, loved that woman. Later, the cops took her in, and my, my mom called the police station to check in on her. And the police, if my mom was here tonight, she'll be here in just a few days once again for Mother's Day. Praise God. My mom said the police told her, we found her car in the cornfield, just as she said. And we have just found her shoes on the top of the bridge on the ledge, just as she said. God knows your address. He knows right where to find you. And here was a desperate woman who was at the end. She was at the end of her story. She was at a dead end. She had no hope. But because of the grace and the goodness of God, do I, do I completely understand it? Is there anyone in here that completely understands the grace and the goodness of God? Can I see your hand? That's what I thought. Me neither. I, I, it's just, it's more than we can fathom. I believe that when she hit the water and she went into, she went into that mud, the angels of God took a hold of her, picked her up, and traveled her three blocks north of the bridge to our house. If the river would have been at, at full water mark, she would have hit the water, went into that mud. Her body would have went south for miles, and they would have found her maybe days or weeks later. But the river was at a record, record low in drought. She, she hit the water. She went into the mud, and angels of God picked her up and carried her to our home. I tell you, folks... 
God knows where we're at. He knows where you're at tonight. Are you with me? No one can convince me that God is not radically involved in the details of our human lives. Can I get a witness? Because the Holy Spirit has an appetite for souls. The Holy Spirit is always working. God is always in the details. You know, we've, we've been told that the devil is in the details. How many of you have heard that? Well, we, we have struck that from our lives because we're the beloved sons and daughters of the living God. Amen. The, the devil is not in your details. Can I get a witness? The devil is not in your details. God is in your details, ladies and gentlemen. Say it with me tonight. God is in my details. Say it again. God is in my details. Come on, one more time. Oh, yes, he is. He's always in the details. And this is what Jesus said. He said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the words of our good shepherd. The Son of God has come to seek and to save that which was lost. In Romans 10, 13, it says, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Come on. Can I get a witness in here? Whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In John chapter 15, or Luke chapter 15, and I want you to go there if you will in the next moments. Jesus, I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but Jesus tells us the story of the lost sheep, the lost silver coin, and then the lost son. The lost son that we know is the prodigal. He tells the story of the lost sheep, the lost silver coin, and then the lost son of the prodigal. I'm going to start in verse 1 tonight, Luke 15. He says, and then all the tax collectors, uh, collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him, and the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with him. I just got to stop again and just say, boy, they really had a problem with Jesus. They had a problem with who Jesus kept having company with. Does anybody love this about Jesus? <laughs> I, I love this about Jesus. When I, when I get into the text, I feel this, and it makes me love Jesus all the more. He was so full of compassion. He was so moved by the compassions of God. And I loved, again, he, he wanted to stay at Zacchaeus' house. Hey, I want to stay at your house. How many of you want the Lord to stay at your house? That's right. So this, the Pharisees, the, the scribes, they complained. They said, this man, he receives sinners. He eats with them. And so he spoke this parable to them saying, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. I love that picture. He lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying, Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there is more joy in heaven over, over what? One sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. I love that. If you look down at verse 10, it says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Aren't you thankful that Jesus tells us what goes on in the unseen realm? Angels actually rejoice and celebrate and have a party, so to speak, when sinners come to the Lord. But I love the picture that Jesus is painting. I love this. Because if one is lost, he says, oh, the shepherd is drawn out. The shepherd is drawn out. He has, he has to leave the 99 to find the one. I'll tell you tonight, God knows how to find us. Now, you think that I'm talking just about the lost tonight. So stay with me. He knows how to find us. If God can find Moses in the wilderness of Midian, and where was Moses at the time? Moses has now fled from Egypt. Moses has fled from Pharaoh's wrath. And now Moses is battling with his own identity. He's, he's battling with his own purpose. He's battling with his own assignment. He's battling with who he is as a man, his own identity as a man. And yet God found him in Midian amongst Jethro. And there he was shepherding the sheep out in the wilderness. I want to tell you something. God can find you. God can find you. God found this teenage shepherd boy who loved his harp. He was a songbird. Couldn't shut it off. Couldn't shut it off. Morning to night. Who knows? Maybe David sang through his sleep. I don't know. But this young shepherd boy, this songbird, had songs to the Lord. And he ministered to the Lord in the fields of Bethlehem. And the, those praises reached to the heart of God. And God found this young shepherd boy. I mean, sometimes you think, you could think, man, what I'm going through and what I'm doing is so insignificant. You can think in your life, what I'm doing, what I'm going through is so insignificant. Do you think David ever felt like that in Bethlehem while he was tending to sheep? That perhaps, perhaps... Lend me a little bit, maybe, that what he was doing insignificant. And yet, there he was in Bethlehem, not knowing that in a thousand years later, from where he was sitting in the fields of Bethlehem, watching over the lambs, the very Lamb of God would be born there in a stable. You don't always know, actually, what is happening and transpiring in worship. It's not even about this moment, what just happened in this room tonight. It's not even about this moment. What is happening is actually building, building momentum for what's about to happen and what's about to break loose. 
God can find you. God found Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. There's something wrong with that. And Gideon, Gideon was complaining. How many, how many of you have ever complained? I call it prayer. <laughs> have you ever complained with God? Well, sure. Yeah, I'm like you. You're like me. I, well, yeah. And so Gideon, Gideon, Gideon was complaining to God. He, he was frustrated. He was contemplating things with God. Where, where are the signs and the wonders from that our fathers told us about? He's threshing wheat in a wine press. He's, he's complaining. He's like, what in the world is going on? We're not going anywhere. We're just going around the mill, going around the mill. And the angel shows up to encourage him and says, hey, mighty man of valor. Hey, hey, let me tell you who you are. You feel like your life is so insignificant, so little. I have to tell you who you are. I've come from the throne of God. And in the perspective of the throne of God, you're a mighty man of valor. Stop the press. <laughs> Here's my point. God knows how to find us. He knows how to find us when we're hurting. He knows how to find us when we're broken. He knows how to find us when we're not understanding our own story. Mary Magdalene, and it's actually, you know, Mary was from a, a little village or a city called Magdala. It's right on the Sea of Galilee. So when it says Mary Magdalene, it actually means Mary from Magdala. And Jesus found her. And we are told about her life that she was possessed and tormented by seven demon spirits that controlled her and afflicted her. And as the passion, excuse me, the passion, the, the chosen does so absolutely beautiful when she speaks to Nicodemus and she says, I can't explain it. I was one way before and now I'm this way. And the thing that happened in between is I met him. I met him. Jesus found her. Jesus knows where to find us, ladies and gentlemen, when life is so troubled, when life is so afflicted, when life is feeling like we are experiencing the pressing and the crushing. We, we are literally in a Gethsemane generation. Gethsemane means the oil press. It means the Gethsemane, the garden of Gethsemane. It literally means the oil press. I said it in prayer earlier, the destiny of a grape is not to remain a grape. The destiny of a grape is to become new wine. And the destiny of an olive is to what? It's to become fresh oil. And we're in a time, see, God can still find us when we're in the press and when we're in the crunch of life. He knows our address. He can still come and find you and free you. Or maybe you feel like you're going through the mundane. Maybe you're like the brothers on the Sea of Galilee who are doing what their fathers and their fathers and their fathers did for generations. 
And that was cast the nets and fish. And there they were doing what they had always done, just being faithful day in, day in, day out, month in, month out, year in, year out, just being faithful. There they were. And yet Jesus comes and finds them and says, hey, follow me. Jesus can find your boat. Are you still with me tonight? Then I think about Jesus finding a woman with a troubled life. And she had been through six men and she was still miserable. Every relationship was failed. Every hope that she had for love had failed. And there she was sitting by a well. And yet Jesus knew her address that day. Because he knows how to find us. I want to read it again. The Son of Man, he has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Sometimes, though you and I, it might be the Lord calling. Sometimes we don't like to admit this. But after years of walking with God, are you all still with me? After years of walking with God, and I know we don't really like to admit this, so I'm going to admit it from the pulpit. We don't like to admit it that after years of walking with God, at times with, with difficulty, with obstacles, with circumstances, with being battered in life, with trials, with problems, with relational issues, occupational issues, everything that we go through, sometimes we start thinking that God has actually misplaced His address book and He's not able to find us any longer. And we pray things like this, God, where are you? Okay, I'm the only one that's prayed that. (laughs) God, God, oh, I see that hand in the back. Two of us tonight. God, where are you? Do you still know my address? God, where are you? God, people cry out, God, I, this, this marriage failed. I never saw myself living through a divorce or being alone. I never saw myself having to raise children on my own. God, where are you? Or it sounds like this, God, I received this this unexpected diagnosis from the doctors. This makes absolutely no sense to me. God, where, where are you? God, I lost that job. I lost that opportunity. I, I lost that place of favor. What do I do now? God, where are you? God, I, now we have spent All of our savings on all of these unexpected emergencies that came out of a storm in life. And God, where are you? Where are you? And I don't feel you. And what do I do now? God, do you still know where I live? Do you still remember me? People in Hurricane Ian, it was happening all the time. Everywhere where we would go to travel down south, I would have people fall into my arms and weep over me and say, where is God in all this? How could I have lost 
all that I own. How could I have lost my home? How will we ever rebuild? Where is God in all of this? And yet at those times, God used us to be his very hands and his feet and to touch people and look into their eyes and saying, the Lord is right here. He's right in the midst. And he is never going to forsake you and leave you. You're going to be able to rebuild. His name is faithful and true, and we're here to help. God, how about this one? God, I did what you asked me to do. I did what you asked me to do, but it didn't actually work out for my benefit. God, I know you wanted faithfulness, but I thought that there was actually more in mind when you asked me to do this. I I was looking for that blessing on the other side of it. God, I was faithful. I did what you asked me to do. Now what? Or maybe it's something like this. Maybe it's literally like a John the Baptist moment. (laughs) This is a hard one. Where you could potentially get offended at Jesus himself. Because things are just not working out the way that you expected them. Because John the Baptist found himself in prison. In prison. And his disciples visiting him and saying, go to Jesus and ask him, is it really he or should we now look for another? It means that he was perplexed at the situation and the trials that he was going through. And now doubt was coming. Have you ever been there? And what happens is, is we all have the opportunity to get offended with Jesus himself. And we always have to work in every every situational thing in our life to make sure we're freed from offense from other people. Ah, but when it comes to being offended with Even Jesus himself, now we're at a whole nother level. Matthew chapter 11, verse 6, this is what Jesus said. And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. He was speaking directly to John in that that context. And I want to say something. I'm not going to stay here long. And I I may visit this in the weeks to come. But ladies and gentlemen, things are intensifying in our world. And there is going to be plenty of offense, opportunity to be even disappointed with God how things are working out. God, I didn't expect this. I, I didn't see this. I want to tell you some good news tonight. Jesus can still find you, and Jesus knows your address. (laughs) All right. God is saying to us tonight, I know right where you are. God wants to say to someone tonight, I've never left you. God wants to say to somebody in this place tonight, I have never forsaken you. I will never leave you. God wants to tell somebody, I am faithful. I am still faithful to you, and I will always be faithful to you. God wants to say over somebody tonight, I do not lead you to dead ends. I do not lead you to dead ends. I am still your Savior.
I am still your protector. I am still your provider. I am still your healer. There isn't anything that's going on in your world or your life right now that the Lord is unaware of. And he knows how to find you. And he will find you. And he will meet you. His name is Emmanuel. Does it still mean God with us in, in May of 2023? Or are we still current with that? That hasn't been canceled, has it? Yeah, it still means God is with us. God is with us. I have to walk with a lot of people in shaking. My phone fills up with problems. My phone fills up with problems. My life is meeting with people that are going through the turbulence when it's difficult, when there's challenges, when there's trouble. I want to tell you tonight, ladies and gentlemen, God is faithful. God is faithful. He knows right where you're at. We don't like to admit it, even when we've been walking with God for many, many, many years. You know, you can walk with God for many years and hit places where you feel all alone. God, I don't understand this. I don't understand this. This is even offensive to my mind. I don't understand this season. God, this doesn't make sense to me. It's why it's a faith journey. But the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Maybe you know it so well. Maybe you don't. But it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. That's what faith is. That's what faith is. It's trusting in the Lord with all of your heart. When things don't make sense, trust in God with all of your heart. And then don't lean into your natural understanding. Don't do that. Don't lean into your own understanding. Don't lean to be led by the circumstances. And I don't want to get ahead of myself because God doesn't want us to be people that are led by circumstances. He wants us to be led by his voice, by his presence. He says, but then acknowledge God in all your ways, and what he'll do is he'll direct your path. God is going to direct our path in these months and years to come. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Hebrews 10.38 says, now the just shall live, shall live by faith. Our faith has to be anchored in Christ alone. That may sound overly simple to you, but I want to say it again. Your faith has to be anchored in Christ alone. Everything else, ladies and gentlemen, in this hour is going to shake out. It's going to shake, and it's going to shake, and it's going to shake. Everything that's built on Christ is going to stand. The man who builds his house upon the rock. The man who builds his house upon the rock of the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. His life in his house is going to stand in this hour. Everything else will fall apart. Come on. Psalm 112. I'm going to read it out of the ESV first. And I know that I think behind me I gave him the NIV. But... I'm going to read it out of the ESV first. It says, for the righteous will never be moved. Woo! The righteous will never be moved. 
He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid. I love that word steady. It's anchored. You're not drifting. You're not drifting. Your heart is steady. Why? Because you are trusting in the Lord. When things don't make sense, you are still trusting in the Lord. When things are hurting, you're still trusting in the Lord. You exalt the word of the Lord over your loneliness, over your pain, over the misunderstanding. You exalt the word of the Lord. Lord, I trust you with my life. God, you are worthy of my life. God, you are worthy of my trust. And I'm willing to let go of even the things that I prefigured how it was going to work out on the other side. Are you still with me? Until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. Now, let me read it out of the NIV. Surely the righteous will never be shaken. Man, make that confession. I will never be shaken. Come on, make that confession. I will never be shaken. And they'll be remembered forever. They will have no fear of bad news, but their hearts are steadfast. There's another powerful word. Steady, steadfast. Say steadfast. Trusting in the Lord. Their hearts are secure. I love these words. Their hearts are secure. They will have no fear. And in the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. <laughs> in the end, they will look in triumph on their foes. Here's a big point tonight. Big point. God does not lead us by circumstances. If you're taking notes, write it down. God does not lead us by circumstances. God leads us by His Spirit. God leads us by His presence. He leads us by His Word. He leads us by His voice. God leads us by His peace. That's how God leads. God does not lead us by circumstances because when you get in storms in life, and every one of us get in storms in life, people get led then in the storm by dissatisfaction. They start being led by impatience or dissatisfaction because of the circumstances. And if you do that, what will happen is it will lead to an, a dependence for circumstances to be your guide. Rather than the peace of God, the Word of God, the presence of God, the peace of God leading you, anchoring you, steadying you. You and I are not to be led by circumstantial things, ladies and gentlemen. Circumstances come and go, but God never changes. God never changes. His Word never changes. His Word never fails. The God that we're singing about tonight, His Word never fails. His Word is true. So what do you do? You trust and you rely with confidence in what? In God's all-surrounding, all-keeping power. His all-keeping power. You stay anchored. We're people of faith, ladies and gentlemen. We are people of faith. We are people of the presence. 
While the shaking is intensifying, the people of faith are being fortified. They are being anchored, and they're not going to be moved. You and I are about to witness a revelation that is so, dare I say, new. If I could say God is doing a new thing. I believe we're about to have a revelation of how powerful the kingdom of God is on the inside of us. Because while the world is going to be in such turmoil and shaking, you're going to have the manifestation of the peace of God on the inside of you. The witness of the Spirit within you anchoring you. And people are going to say, that's the glory of God. And you've heard me say this before. The glory of God has to look like something. And the glory of God resting on somebody can literally be the peace of God resting on them tangibly while everything else is shaking. So do not let circumstances lead you. Friend, I'm trying to help us tonight. Do not let circumstances lead you. You tell the storm who's in charge. Jesus still walks on the waves. And he still comes to rescue us even when we start sinking. I wish right now I could just throw the mic to Peter and let him preach a little bit about what it is to hear from God and walk out and then get afraid and take your eyes off the Lord and begin to sink. (laughs) But even when you start sinking, if you'll cry out to the Lord, he knows your address and he will come and he will find you and he'll take hold of you. And he'll wrap his loving arms around you. Say, I'm right here. You're not alone. That was a lie. You're not alone. That was a lie. You're not abandoned. That was a lie. You're not full of fear. That was a lie. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound, balanced, steady, anchored, steadfast mind. And the mind stayed upon him will yield forth what? Life and peace. Amen? I have good news for you tonight. God knows your address. Psalm 139. (laughs) Psalm 139. Does God really know where I'm at, Brian? Does God... Does God really, really know where I'm at? Does he really know the fight that I'm engaged in right now in my life? Yeah. Yeah, he does. So I couldn't come up with better words, so I went to the word. (laughs) And it says, oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know, my sitting down and my... My rising up, you understand my thought afar off. See, I love that. It's like it's it's a picture of the Lord watching us and discerning us. He knows our every thought. He knows our frame. 
He knows when we can feel shaken or fragile. He knows our every thought afar off. Verse 3, you comprehend my path and my laying down, and you are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand on me. Well, that's quite a picture, isn't it? He goes before, and he's our rear guard, and then he covers us. Isn't that powerful? And you laid your hand on me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's, it is high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall follow me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. Are you seeing what he's saying? He's saying, God, your glorious presence is so magnificent. Darkness can't even hide me because there is such illumination over me because of your presence. Verse 13. For you formed my inner parts. <laughs> you covered me in my mother's womb. And I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Somebody say amen to that. Marvelous are your works. And that my soul knows very well. My frame is not hidden from you. And when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance, yet being unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Are you seeing that? Does God know where you are? Does God know you? Does God know your address in the book of days. This is so profound. In the book of days, God wrote your story. God wrote your life. He, he preordained you. He prefashioned you. It means that God, God had a dream of you before you were ever formed. God had a dream a masterpiece dream, an eternal love story that he had dreamed about you so that when you would be fashioned and you would come forth, you would literally walk into his dream for your life. In Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 2, it says that we are God's masterpiece. We are, Paul uses the word in Ephesians, he says, we are God's workmanship, which it literally means masterpiece. We are God's workmanship, created for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In the book of days, God preordained. He dreamt of you. He said, 
I'm going to build my masterpiece. I'm going to build my masterpiece, and I've preordained works for you to walk in. Isn't that awesome? Verse 17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more than the number than the sand. And when I awake, I'm still with you. My friends, God knows your address. He knows everything about you. And he's never going to leave you. And he's never going to forsake you. God is faithful and true to you. Your life matters. Your destiny matters. Your assignment matters. You are the beloved of God. You are the beloved of God. You are the chosen of God. Your life matters. God said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Jesus said, surely I'm with you always. To the very end of the age, I'm with you always. So I want to go back to the front of this train before I end this tonight. God is faithful. God sees you. God sees you. I'm talking to somebody in this room, and it's you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> I've always wanted to do that. Thanks, Darlene. <laughs> and it's you. No, I'm teasing. God knows your address. He knows. He knows right where you're at. He knows. And he feels your feelings. And he feels your affections. He feels it. He knows us. He knows our frame. And there isn't anything, anything that you're walking through that God is not aware of. And he is with you in the midst of it. He's in the midst. Where's God? Where's God? He's right here. He's right here in the midst. And he's taking you by the hand. And he's leading you because he is the good shepherd. The son of man was sent to save, to seek, and to save that which was lost. Amen. Lord, we just thank you tonight for your word. And I have trusted you, Holy Spirit, to just be the messenger for your people tonight. And I know, Lord, you've exceeded even what I've said. And I thank you for that. And I thank you, Lord, that you are strengthening and encouraging your people. Now you're giving them confidence, Lord. And, Lord, we will not be shaken. We will be steady. We will be steadfast. We will be immovable. For, Lord, the future does belong to the righteous. 
and the righteous will never be moved. I thank you, Lord, that what you build remains forever, and you are building us. I bless your people, Lord. I speak the strength of God over you. I speak the confidence of God over you. I speak that every lie that the enemy has been trying to get you to agree with be severed, severed off of your life. And that the illumination of God's word and God's truth comes to you, comes to your spirit now, comes to your spirit tonight. Even as you're resting, that the ministry of the Holy Spirit tonight will set you free from every lie of the enemy. God is with you. God is for you. God is with you. God is with you. God is for you. He's not against you. He's not against you. God is for you. He's with you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I want our ushers to come at this time. Let's serve the people. If you need an offering envelope tonight, you can lift your hand high. We want to serve you. If you you need an offering envelope tonight, we want to serve you. There you go. Hands all over. There you go. Thank you, ushers. You can open your app right now. You can give directly on the app, the Victory FLA app. Do we have some announcements, honey? I know we got some great things. Come on, honey. I know we've got some great things happening tomorrow. The ladies are gathering for the mother-daughter time. That's going to be a beautiful time. The men are meeting. Amen. Sorry, I'm giving announcements. Go. (laughs) All right, yes, our men's house fire is tomorrow at 2 p.m. at Rick Bruner's house. Um, Shane will be bringing the word, and it will be a great time. I know it always is, and the food is amazing because... Miss Kelly helps with that. <laughs> so, um, so you can register on the app or website or get more details there. The mother-daughter gathering, our Mother's Day gathering is tomorrow. We're really looking forward to it. It is, we're calling it the gift of the dove. I'm going to be sharing, and it starts at 2 as well. And you can, you can still register on the app, but we can't guarantee that you will be at this time, that you will be able to paint a canvas as we are going to be doing some fun stuff. We're going to bring some food, bring something to share. We're going to have some fellowship. I'll be bringing the word. And then we're going to be painting a dove. And um, we have a wonderful artist coming, Rebecca Riley. She's um, connected with our Sarasota House of Prayer. She's a wonderful artist in the region. And she's going to be teaching us how to paint this dove. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So we want to encourage you to come out to that. And don't forget to bring your money, all the ladies who did sign up to paint. So um, also, we have an evangelism training coming up Saturday, May 20th at 3 p.m. It's going to be in the Oasis room on the campus, and um, no registration is necessary, but we do encourage you to come if you are wanting to go out um, on the outreaches and um, our outreach times. We do encourage you to come. Each training is different and unique, and um, Shane does lead that, so um, we encourage you to be a part of that. And then also Financial Peace University is coming up. It's going to be starting um, June 3rd. And it is going to be from 3 to 4 p.m. for five weeks. It's going to be taught by Michael Conway. And you can register on our app and website as well. Okay.
Let's come on up, Mike. He's just going to share a little bit. Thank you. Uh, last week, I asked you to join me on a journey. Financial peace is a very important process that all of us have to go through. And in doing so, over these several weeks that we meet together, there's going to be a video that corresponds to the book that he has. And the testimonies and the life stories that he has are incredible. We may not agree with everything he has. We may not see ourselves doing everything he recommends. But the mere fact that we can come together, examine, and put a personal touch on it is a very important thing to do. So please go in the app, sign up, so we know how many people are coming. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. And just want to make um, the last announcement we have is our Israel trip. We are less than a month away from when our registration closes. So if you are interested and you want to jump in, make sure that you do that before the deadline of June 3rd. We're very excited. We're just right around four months away from when we leave. So woohoo, getting, it's getting there. It's going to go by quick. So um, the summer is going to be gone before you know it. So we're, um, we just want to invite you out to um, a journey of his presence, to go to Israel with us and to tour the Holy Land and to see where Jesus walked on water and where he was buried and rose again and so many things. I, I don't want to get started or I'll. <laughs> but, um, yes, <laughs> but it's a beautiful, it's a, just a, such a wonderful time. There's nothing like being in Israel and being there. And um, the Bible comes more and more alive to you. It's a beautiful thing. So, um Pray, pray about it and see if the Lord desires you to come with us. It would be wonderful. So the life amendment is also in the foyer. If you want to pick up a petition to sign for that, we're going to be talking a little bit more about that um, next week as well and highlighting that a little bit more. But they always, it always is in the foyer for you to pick up, pick up some petitions and find people to sign them. Uh, we really want to do our part and have Sarasota County have... Um, the goal of 40,000 petitions to submit to the elections and um, for the elections. And we're really excited that um, God has given us this opportunity in the state of Florida for this to become part of our amendment. So God bless you guys. Thanks. Amen. Ushers, are you ready? Yeah, you're ready. Yep. Father, thank you again for this opportunity to give for the advancement of your kingdom. And Lord, let miracles and abundance and prosperity be upon your children, manifesting everywhere in favor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, somebody shout amen. Amen. Praise God. I want our, I want our uh, altar team to begin to prepare themselves as well. And to join me and Bren down in the front. Guys, we're going to open up the altars for prayer. Anybody that needs prayer tonight, we are believing God for healing tonight. Amen. We're believing God for miracles tonight. Amen. We're believing God for breakthroughs. Hallelujah. Team, you can feel free to come join me. It's been a beautiful night. Amen. It's been a beautiful night. Powerful night.
Take that. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. God, you never fail. <laughs> God, you are so good. You never fail. You never fail. God, you never fail. God, you are for us. You are with us. Lord, tonight, I pray that you would move upon hearts that need to come forward to receive, draw them. And Lord, let your tangible presence and power be transacted tonight to give miracle turnarounds, miracle breakthroughs in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you for this entire family, this entire church family, Victory, a church of your presence. And Lord, I pray your blessing on them as they go tonight. Your blessing on them for this entire week. May this be a supernatural week of breakthrough in Jesus' name. We glorify you, Lord. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord praise one more time. Good night, everybody. Altars are open. God bless you.